this morning as I was getting ready to come over to church, had a few extra minutes, and I'm finally getting things put together in my office at home now. Not everything, but I did find my old Bibles, and I had already put them on the shelf, so I went and picked up a few of my old Bibles. I started looking in all of those old Bibles to find out if I had marked my favorite verse of Scripture in all of them. And I found that every Bible that I've used, now I have some Bibles that I haven't used. I read from one or other all the time, but these are old Bibles that go back, some of them, years and years, and I've just kept them over the years. Most of them I haven't picked them up in a long time because I read from the current Bible that I'm using now. They're all different sizes. Some of them are just New Testament, just small Bibles. Some of them are big Bibles. Some of them are about this size. Some of them are about double this size. And I found that in every one of those Bibles that I have used in the past, I had marked one verse of Scripture. I don't know if there's any other verse in all the Bible that I've marked in every one of those Bibles. I haven't looked to see, but I doubt that there is. But there's one verse that I've marked, highlighted, in every one of those Bibles. Do you have any idea what that verse might be? I preached about it last Sunday. There you go. Whoever said that got it right on the button. Psalm 89:34, And what does that say? It says, my covenant, or in our language today, I will not break my covenant. That is the agreement that I've made with my people. I will not break my covenant. Whether it's a covenant with a nation or whether it's a covenant with you, put your name in there as an individual. Whether it's an agreement he's made with me, I will not break that covenant. I will not change one word that has gone out of my lips. That's a truth to stand on until Jesus comes. You can depend on it. You can trust it. You can accept it because it's true. Numbers 23, 19 has a great scripture that's supportive of Psalm 89, 34. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Of course not. Does he promise and not fulfill? Absolutely not. God is a God of his word. And when God says it, you can depend on it happening, whether it's his word about you or to you, or whether it's word for the dispensations of the ages. What God says is true, always will be true, and everything God has said either has already happened or will happen. There are no exceptions to that. And you and I can depend on that, so we can depend on God's word. That's the stability of our lives. God has declared himself to be the God that he is, a good God who loves us, who supports us, who helps us, who blesses us, who meets our need at every level. That's the God we serve. That's the God we love because he is a good God. He's declared himself to be that in his word. We know who he is. We know his character. We know about him because his word tells us who he is. One of the great passages of scripture is Psalm 138, verse 2, where the Lord said, where the psalmist said of the Lord, you have exalted above all things your name and your word. 
Your promises are backed by all the honor of your name, is what he says. So if the name of God is legitimate, what God has spoken is legitimate. If you can depend on what God says about himself, you can depend on what God says about everything and anything else. That's the truth. Now I'm going to share with you a message about truth that I started last Sunday and didn't finish. There are consequences, but there's a word in between that. Truth or consequences. We think of consequences as being negative. Consequences could be a good thing, too. In this instance, if you don't follow the truth, the negative consequences that come into your life are undesirable, unwanted, and something that you want to rid yourself of. Your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. So that values the Word of God at the highest level, declares what His character is and who He is. You can depend on what God has said. I want to tell you about the truth that's in the Bible. I mentioned all these Bibles. Or that I have all those Bibles because I've kept them over the years. I may have lost one or two along the way. I'm not sure. But I got interested this morning as I picked up one of the Bibles. I was using King James Version at that time, so it was a number of years ago. It's a larger Bible than this one, thicker, bigger. I looked inside and I saw that I'd written some things on the fly leaf of the Bible. I won't bring them to you this morning, but I'll just say to you, when I read those, I became so greatly encouraged because I saw things that God had promised me, and I realized that over the years these promises have come true. He's fulfilled this word that he promised me. All this time back here that I've got dated years ago, looking at them on the flyleaf of this old Bible, I see what God promised he has done. He said, I'll do things for you, and, specific, and said specifically what they were. And I look back over my time of traveling with the Lord in the past, I see God has brought to pass all of those things that he said he would do. He isn't through yet. There's still other things that God has promised, other things that God has said he will do, and if he said he'll do them, he will do them. There's nothing he's promised you or me or this church or anybody else in this world that God has ever promised that you can say that's not going to happen because if God has said it, it will come to pass. Amen. How many of you like the fact that I've got a Bible in the hand instead of an iPad?
instant, right by my side. I look at it. It will lighten and brighten my way. And each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. That's the value of God's Word. When you're looking for an answer, I'm not going to say the answer to trigonometry here. Maybe not, you can't find an algebra equation in here. But I'm talking about the truth of life, the truth that you need to live by. When you're looking for an answer, this is the place where answers are found. Jesus Christ, the real Word of God, the revealed and real Word of God, is the truth, and all the truth about Him still resides in His Word and is true in His Word. We stand on it, we believe it, we proclaim it. And we'll always will until Jesus comes again. Amen? Yes. So the value of this book is its revelation of the truth of Jesus Christ. The value of this book is its revelation of the truth of Jesus Christ. And from beginning to end, from the earliest part of Genesis to the last of Revelation, Jesus Christ is revealed in this book. This book reveals him because this book is, and this book is truth because it does that. The value of it is that God started teaching us a plan of salvation in the very first part of this book, and on through the end of it, he continues to proclaim that Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of the world, for your sins and mine. We don't have to believe a lot of other things that are popular or being proclaimed in from pulpits today, or maybe not even from pulpits, just from other places, just from conversations. Just because somebody says this is what God said, you need to check and find out if that's what God said. But I will tell you this. A lot of things are being said that, that are unnecessary. We have never been a, a church that, that is very rigid and majors on doctrine. This church has never been that. I haven't wanted it to be that. We proclaimed it otherwise. I believe the Lord showed me some changes and differences of things that I believed a long time ago. Those things didn't, believing those things would not take me away from God, but it didn't enhance our relationship with God either. Because I began to pray those years ago and really seeking God, I wanted him, God to show me his word. And what the Lord showed me to do was to go and start reading the Bible. And I did that, and I read it consistently and faithfully. And then the Lord showed me he wanted me to read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I read them, and I read them again, and I read them over. I don't know how many times I read them. I wish I'd kept the record of it, but I didn't. But I read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, again and again and again. And then I read some things that Paul said about the revelation of the Gospel. It explained the message of Jesus to the world. And I came to believe that there are essential things that we have to believe to be saved. There are some things we may believe, and it's all right to believe them, but it doesn't require us to believe them to be saved. For example, let's speak of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not being negative about it. By any means, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit shortly after I was saved many years ago, and I've enjoyed His presence, and He's been my teacher and my guide ever since. But it, but, and there's a great value. I don't want to minimize this. So listen carefully, lest you say our pastor is changing, not Pentecostal anymore. I don't want you to start thinking that. But I'm going to tell you, you don't have to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speak the tongues to go to heaven. A long time ago, I had a young man who came to my church. He wanted to join me in prayer. I wanted to start a prayer meeting there. And I did. He was kind of a little... You know, I don't think people are strange. He was, he was a little off-center, I'll just say. Just to, I could tell some things about him. He needed to be taught. And I tried to teach him. And I was, he, one day he said to me, you know, we got to keep praying for these people that haven't got the baptism.
whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No. You got that little mixed up. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a great, wonderful gift from God, and everybody ought to receive it and appreciate it and be blessed by that. But if you don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you're certainly not going to get this heaven because of that. You know that, don't you? You already understand. Thank God you do. Because you see that what you have to do to get what you have to do to be ready to go to heaven. And things you have to believe to be ready to go to heaven are things that say in this book are essential for salvation. And it's essential for salvation that you repent of your sins, that you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and you receive Him as your personal Savior. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Paul said, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to be saved, forgiven of your sins, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, Adopted into the family of God, justified, so that God sees your sins as being there no more. You have to have that experience to go to heaven. Yes. I think you also have to believe that Jesus is virgin born. Because if you don't believe that, how can you believe he's the Savior? If if Jesus were not virgin born, he's just a good man like other men. So if that's all you believe, that's not enough for a Savior. He can't die for the sins of the world and for eternity if he's just another man, though wonderfully good he may be. To do that, he has to be the virgin-born, miraculous, miraculous-born Son of God. He has to be Son of God and Son of Man. So you have to believe in the virgin birth. You have to believe in, in, in the salvation I just said. You have to believe in, in the virgin birth. And I think that there are other things that you will have to believe. I'm not, this is not the substance of my message this morning. And lest I do what I've done before for the last two Sundays, I'm going to stay on what I've got right here. So, so, But that is important. Now, the value of this book, the value of the truth that's revealed here, is its revelation of the truth of Jesus Christ. There is, there is no other Savior. There's no other truth. There's no other book. There's nothing else that is equal to this. Any religion, any faith, any church that has a book that they says that they say is equal to the Bible, you know instantly and immediately that's a false teaching. That's a false doctrine. You don't have to worry about you don't have to come up with it and decide, well let me evaluate all the good about it. Stop right there. Any any organization, religious or whatever, that says that there's any book that is equal to this book to lead you to the way of salvation is a false and godless religion. I can name some, but I don't have to because you know yourself already. So here's what Jesus said. He said he'd reveal truth to us. And if we walk with him and know him, he will. The Holy Spirit is sent as the gift of God. The Holy Spirit is sent into our lives to teach us and lead us into truth. What truth is he supposed to lead us about? He's to lead us into the truth about Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears in the Godhead. He will speak what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. That's the Holy Spirit that Jesus speaks about. That's John chapter 16 and verse 15. Just before that, Jesus said this. I read it from the Amplified Version. He said, I will send to you the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of God. I will send to you the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father. He will testify of me, 
Spirit to make Jesus Christ more and more real and relevant in your life. To make Jesus Christ, with your cooperation, the very center of your life and the center of your being. That's the work that the Holy Spirit came to perform. God the Father sent him for that. Now, he works in many ways to do that. And we have to follow him and walk with him and trust him to believe him to lead us into that truth. And every time I look down here on my notes, I see somewhere I've written, another place I've written, Psalm 89, 34. I don't know why I've done that so many times. But I'm not going to go back and start on that again. Let me just say this to you. I started thinking about some things about, about working and living apart from the Holy Spirit who teaches us truth. And I, and I want to say to you, don't try, don't try this life without depending on Him. Don't try this life of Christianity without giving the Holy Spirit this place, recognizing Him, and allowing Him to speak to your heart about truth. When you read this word, let the Holy Spirit reveal to you, enlighten you, give you understanding of it, so that you have a basis to live your life on that you know is truth, and that you know is reliable and, and, and is there forever. You don't need to try to fly with your own wing. You'll always have a bad trip, and you'll likely arrive at the wrong destination if you do. You need to fly on the wings of angels, on the wings of God, on the wings of the Holy Spirit, and let it take you to the places He wants you to be in your life for God. I was uh, a long time ago in our church. There was a couple of families trying to say this in a way so that I'll, I'll change it a little bit. There were two uh, families interacting with each other. They began to talk about the things of the Lord together, and one of the younger persons in one of the families started reporting every time they got together, well, I saw a demon today. I saw a demon come in with you when you came in today. But I looked over there. Oh, look over there. On that pedestal over there, there's a demon sitting up on top of it. And every time they came together, she would say, I see these demons, and I saw demons all last week, and I see these demons today. And that went on and on for a while. Would you get tired of that? I would, quickly. The people who were with her, the other family, were a little bit more forbearing than maybe I would have been. But after a while, the, a member of the family came to me and said, Pastor, this is, and told me this so forth. And this person said, this is what I said. Do you think this is all right? I said, hey, why don't you try to see angels once in a while? If you look for angels, you may see them too instead of seeing demons all the time. And I said, that's most likely because there's about twice as many of them as there are demons. You should have told her that. If you can see demons, you can see angels. If the devil showing you demons, I believe the Holy Spirit will show you angels. Because there are abundance of angels everywhere we turn. I believe this place. Don't worry about it. You're not sitting on one today. But I think all of these other seats that are not occupied are filled with angels today. And you can say, well, Pastor, you're a little bit off the deep end right now. Well, go ahead and say that if you want to. That's what people would have said to Elisha when he was there and the hosts of the Syrians had come to camp against him and all their armies were out there. And his servant said, I don't know what we're going to do about this. They're all, they're all encamped against us. There's, there, there are multitudes of them out there. And it's just the two of us. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And he opened his eyes. And when he did, he looked out there. He saw a host of angels everywhere. Above them, around them, surrounding them. There are more angels than there were enemy soldiers out 
see the angels. If you look for demons, you might find them too. But if you start looking for angels, you'll find more of them than you find demons. I'm just trying to tell you that there's more truth than there is untruth. It's hard to believe in this day. I know it is. It's hard to believe when we look at the lies that are being told. God help me not to go there and not to get into that as much as I want to. Help me, Lord. Okay. So now, so on I go, passing by all those things that I really would like to say. Because this is my message this morning. There is another side. I'm, I'm going to just pass by a little bit of, a little bit of it today. Uh, I'm going to finish a little bit later after this. I'm not going to add to it. But I'm just going to say there's another, there is another side to truth. And you know that. If it weren't for lies and deception, it would be hard to see how much we need the truth. We would. It would be harder to see it. But the lies and deception are a contrast of the truth that Jesus wants to reveal to his church, to his people, and to a nation. I believe that God wants us to see the truth. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story. And you will probably consider it to be political. If you do... Well, if you do, you do. I'm not trying to be political. Uh, but I want you to see that there's that there's a contrast between truth and untruth. So, a pastor, uh, uh, when I knew this man, he was a great preacher in the Assemblies of God. His name was C.M. Ward. And he preached on revival time for about 30 years. And revival time was the national broadcast of the Assemblies of God at that time. It finally went on the, <clears throat> on the ABC radio network and stayed on there for more than 20 years. And he was the one who preached the sermon on that 30-minute broadcast every week. And I will never forget how at the, end of those, at the end of those messages, at the end of that program, he was saying, now I'm going to invite you from all over, everywhere, wherever you are in the world, I'm going to invite you to come to this long, long altar that stretches from one place to the other and around the world. I invite you to this long, long altar. I've never forgotten it. I heard him preach many times on the radio. I heard him preach many times in person as well. And I had the privilege of knowing him. And one time I was listening to him and he said, he said, I, I want to tell you about an experience that I had. Back when I was the pastor of the Full Gospel Tabernacle in Oklahoma, I think it was Tulsa, in Oklahoma. I, I invited a preacher, a well-known preacher, to come and conduct services for us and have a revival meeting. Back then we had those, you know, long week, two weeks, three weeks revival meetings and people came. They didn't have TVs to go watch and things like that. So streaming and all that was never heard of. So uh, so they came. So he had this preacher come. And the preacher got up there every night. And he said, that preacher came up there and he said, I'd be sitting up there on the platform with the service going on. He'd get there after the service had started just before time to preach, and he'd walk in there and he'd sit down there, and he'd open up his notebook, and he'd start thumbing through his outlines to see what he was going to preach that night. He said, no, I didn't like that a bit. I just found that to be unethical, unacceptable. And he said, I didn't stop him, but I did not like it. And, but he said, then but people started to get saved. They started to come down to getting saved. He said, I can't argue with what God's doing, even if I don't like the way this man's doing it. So, he just accepts so when it was all over, the rivalry closed. A gentleman came up to him after a service, and he said, Pastor, 
my name is so-and-so. And he said, I was saved in this meeting on such and such a night. And he said, I just want you to know that God changed my life and I'm saved. And, 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 and I want to do something for you as the pastor of this church. He said, again, you don't know it, but I'm the Buick dealer here in town. And he said, this is what I want to do for you. I want you to come out to my dealership and I want you to pick out the brand new Buick that you want. You drive it. You drive it for a year. At the end of the year, you'll bring that back and trade it in. I'll give you another car of your choice. You drive that for the year. And every year, as long as you're a pastor of this church, as long as I'm alive, that's what we'll do. I'll give you a new car every year. And CM Ward said, boy, I, that, I, that was really good. And he said, and I took advantage of that. He said, I did it for a long, long time. probably told us how many years I don't remember, but he told us for a long time. And then he said, but I want to tell you something that we all need to remember. This man who came up here, Thumb through his outlines and found what he wanted to preach on. He said, I hated his methods. I didn't, I didn't like one single thing about that until he got up and started preaching. People came to God and got saved. He said, I did not like his methods at all, but I fell in love with his results. I just thought I'd tell you that and stick it in here and let you think about it. next week. I don't say that's connected with anything. I'm just mentioning it. Because, because here's, what the, here's what the Bible says about truth. I was going to talk about Pilate and he said to Jesus, what is truth? I don't have enough time for that. I'm going to wind up. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. This is what Jesus said about those who are against the truth. And he was talking about Satan, who's the father of all lies. He says, he has always hated the truth. Speaking of Satan. Jesus said, the devil has always hated this. This is John 8, 44. He's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character. It's just like who he is when he lies because he is a liar and the father of lies. There is a converse. There's an opposite side to the side of truth. There is another message being proclaimed. But the apostle Paul said to the Galatians, if anyone comes to you preaching a different gospel, sharing with you a different message from the one that I have brought to you, the one that I have proclaimed, count that person as accursed because that person is preaching to you a lie. There is no other truth other than what I have proclaimed to you to be the Word of God. I believe because that's in the Word of God today, as Paul wrote it to the Galatians, it's still true today. This is what we stand on. This is what we believe. This is what we must believe because not believing this has the most serious consequences of anything that we could possibly do. Failing to receive and believe and accept the truth has the most serious, deleterious consequences of anything that we could possibly do in our lives. I want you to know that the truth is what's valid. That's what we stand on. That's what we believe. That's what, we, that's, what we, that's what we accept as our part of our lives. This is the scripture I gave you last week. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to, the, to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, that we've been talking about today. Whoever sows in his life, the seed to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap destruction. Eternal life. Truth brings eternal life. 
presence of Jesus. Amen. Stand with me, please, right now. I'll ask you to bow your heads with me in prayer.